Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Folks, the offseason is in full swing for Syracuse basketball and Syracuse football. Neither team in action anymore, but that doesn't mean things slow down here on Orange Fizz or on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. We're going to take you through the spring football game that happened last week, a week from today, and then we're going to take you through some football recruiting, a couple updates, a couple of new guys coming to the program in the coming years. Then we'll take a look at the basketball program and all the things going on there. Some exciting recruiting updates, and then Tyus Battle signing with an agent. We'll get into who that is, why it's important. But first, Thomas, let's start with the spring football game. As we expected, lots of offense. Yeah, no, it was it was the Tommy DeVito show. He was fantastic. He had one interception, but besides that, one incompletion, and it was a drop pass. That was it. So Tommy 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 DeVito, excuse me, just had he had he had a fantastic day, and that's something that Syracuse fans can hope to see more of coming into the regular season. And really, this is it's I, I I've referred to it a couple of times in the past week or so. He's been handed the keys to the luxury sports car. He's now the driver. It's been Eric Dungey for the last four years, the better part of the last four years. Finally, we're going to see somebody other than Eric Dungy, and yes, Dungy had one of the best careers in Syracuse history. He will likely have his number retired. He will go down in Syracuse lore. But now it's time for Tommy Football to see what he's got. He's been hyped up for a long time. He's Syracuse's best recruit in a long time, at least at a skill position type place. There have been some offensive tackles, some linebackers, et cetera, that have been a little bit more highly touted than Tommy was in terms of what he was ranked around 24-7 sports. But we've been hearing about this kid for three years now. It's his time to shine. And Dino Babers says he's working on some things with the young guy. The thing that T's done a nice job of, we've been challenging him to see if you can throw that in there. He's so talented that, you know, and he, and he does a nice job of protecting the football. He really doesn't want to turn the ball over, which is great, which is fantastic. But, uh, you know, our, you're not driving Miss Daisy. You know, we're not driving the speed limit and stopping at every stop sign. And, and when it's yellow, we stop and let everybody else go. That, you've got a racing car. You know, you've got to make the tires sing. So we're really on him, pushing him to see, how, see if you can throw it in that hole, see if you can put it in that crack, and find out what your limitations are. So if we need that throw somewhere in the future, you'll know whether you can make it or not. And I think he's been doing a good job doing, giving us that. And Syracuse fans had gotten used to an Eric Dungey who was great but he was a dual threat quarterback and that's fine but Tommy DeVito is a different kind of animal we're talking about a guy with an absolute cannon of an arm he's gonna have one of the best arms in the country can just dart a 50 yard pass down the field and that's gonna work perfectly in Dino Babers offense for the foreseeable future this is exactly what he likes to do I'm going to be interested to see how much the offense changes because with the spread offense and, you know, the Baylor's-type system, the Art Bryles-Baylor-type system, I should say, that Dino Babers has brought to Syracuse, they've spread it out so much. They've given Eric Dungy the opportunity to create. They've given him the opportunity to do things with his legs. Like you said, Tommy doesn't really have that same ability uh, that Eric does uh, or that Eric did in terms of being able to create outside the pocket. So it's going to be up to the offensive line to really step up and do things well. And you're losing both tackles. You're losing Cody Conway and you're losing Cody Martin in terms of your left tackle and your right tackle. Now Aaron Service, who started at center, is likely going to go shift over to a 
tackle position. Then you're either going to have a grad transfer in Ryan Alexander that could be the next guy at another tackle spot, or you're going to have a redshirt freshman in Carlos Vettorello. So it's really going to be important for this offensive line to mold in the early goings of the season. And in Dito Baber's press conference, he mentioned those young tackles like Carlos Vettorello, they got destroyed in the spring game by Alden Robinson and Kendall Coleman. But he said, look, that's what you should expect. You got to train. You got to train your mind what you're really looking at. So you have Kendall Coleman, who came in as a freshman and just beat out every older guy on the team, and started as a defensive end. You got Alton Robinson that came in as a sophomore and has been destroying people. And now you got both of those guys as seniors going against two kids that have never played. It looked like the way it was supposed to look like. Okay, it looked bad. Okay, for them. But the good thing is that they're only going to get better. And I feel like, unfortunately, after a season where the offensive line really came together, really played well, and you never really had too many questions about it, you're back in that territory that Syracuse was in for the last couple of seasons before this remarkable 10-win season where it's a big question mark. You don't know what you're going to get out of it. So that's definitely something I'm looking to moving forward as the rest of the summer goes on, as they get into fall camp, and as they get into the season who are the starting tackles? Who are the starting offensive linemen? How much experience do they have? Where are they lined up? And can they protect Tommy DeVito? Because he does not have the same escape. He doesn't have the same escape qualities that Eric Dungy did. He doesn't have the ability to get away uh, in the open field quite as good as Eric did. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can protect him. But luckily for Tommy, they, he's got some uh, pretty incredible weapons on the outside coming back. You're pretty much returning all of your pass catchers except Jamal Custis and Ravion Pierce. They're headed off to the pros. But you look at this, you got Taj Harris, you got Nikeem Johnson, you got Sean Riley, and you've also got Tristan Jackson, the transfer from Michigan State. And, you know, we talked about the last time we were on this show together, Thomas. He was a two. He was on the, on the second string on the depth chart. We weren't really sure why, and apparently neither was Dino Babers. Two? See, these things go on in this program that I don't even know about. That's okay. Those guys, those guys are compete, and they're going to battle, and the best guys will always rise to the top, and whoever's the best will play, and the other ones will wait until they get better. Yeah, I mean, we were confused by it, and so was Dino, apparently. But look, Tristan Jackson is just going to be an absolute great weapon for Dino right, and for this offense. But there's another guy that's kind of switching positions, positions that who knows what it could be. That's uh, Chris Elmore. He showed up on the tight end depth chart, so we'll see what he can produce there. But Tristan Jackson, Sean Riley, I mean, expect same results from him from last year. But the only thing I'm worried about with this offensive line and Tommy DeVito is he had a lot of ups last season, but he had a lot of down times as well. And when he had lows, it was because the pocket collapsed and he didn't know what to do about it. And there's might be times this year where the pocket's going to collapse. It's a young group of offensive linemen. So Tommy DeVito's going to have to learn very early on that I'm going to have to get rid of the ball. He's going to have to find his receivers, and luckily he's got a lot of options. Sean Riley, uh, Taj Harris. He's got an assortment of guys, and Dino Babers is going to, just going to have to really focus on maybe a lot of short slants, get the ball out quick, and just get the offense rolling. And once the offense rolls and the defense is coming down, and it's almost like they're protecting against the run because the short the slants are so short and they are such for short yardage, then you can go over the top, you can break it over the top, and that's what Syracuse did multiple times throughout the spring game. How about these numbers? They're unofficial, but they're coming from Syracuse Athletics, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust them. 566 total yards of offense. 402 passing yards, 164 rushing yards, and seven touchdowns, including four 
through the air, six of the Orange's touchdowns at least 30 yards. That's incredible. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Obviously, the defense isn't playing quite as tightly as ACC defenses will play against Syracuse. Obviously, you know, they're not going to go over the top as much. The offensive play calling won't go over over the top as much as they did in the spring game. But you can just see the explosiveness. You can see the potential for this offense to really ratchet it up a notch with Tommy DeVito sling the ball all over the field. As long as you've got that protection, you've got the weapons because not only do you have great wide receivers in Taj Harris, in Nikeem Johnson, in Sean Riley, in Tristan Jackson, but you've got a stable and very, very talented group of running backs that are going to set up the run. I was talking to Mike Tirico before the Notre Dame game, and something he said to me was pretty interesting. He said, you know, Syracuse and Notre Dame are pretty similar. They both want to set up the run. And I looked at him, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to question Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico. But when I think about it, they really do want to establish the run. If you establish the run, the rest of that offense becomes so much more difficult to contain and so much more fun to watch and so much more explosive. And with guys like Mo Neal and Abdul Adams in the backfield, you've got that ability to have the run set up the pass, and that's when this offense is going to get off to its best foot. Can you imagine having a run game that just kind of bowls you over like that SEC style of play paired with an up-tempo offense like we've seen the past few years under Geno Babers? I mean, that is just... You got it all. Like, what is the defense going to do against that? And a couple of years ago, the running game was a big problem for Syracuse. They couldn't establish it. I mean, they had a lot of trouble. But last year, things kind of changed. And now you have more talented running backs in. Mo Neal, Jarvin Howard, uh, like you mentioned, Abdul Adams. And it's just very exciting to see what these guys can do because they're all very talented players, but they also all bring a different dimension to the run game. And the scary part is all those 160-plus rushing yards – most of those did not come from those top three guys that we just talked about in Abdul Adams, Mo Neal, and Jarvion Howard. Otto Zuccardo, who is a preferred walk-on at one point, he might be on a scholarship, I'm not 100% sure, but he led the Syracuse rushing attack with six carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. Then you look at a freshman, Jawar Jordan, who was supposed to be here two years ago. was supposed to be he's coming into his second season. He's had some eligibility issues, but he's ready to go, and he's very excited to be here. We've talked to him a couple of times. You can check out all of those interviews on SoundCloud at Orange Fizz. But he went five carries for 56 yards, including a 47-yard touchdown. He's got the burners. So you just think those guys are having success already? Just imagine what the big three can do. And the fact that the big three didn't play? Sure, it's not the most exciting fan experience because you're not getting to see all the superstars, but Dino Baber says, you know, it's an opportunity for the younger guys to step up and get some playing time. And then we had a lot of guys out. I mean, there was a lot of players, excuse me for popping that P, there was a lot of players with a lot of experience that wasn't on the field today. And all those guys will be back in the fall, as far as I know. So I think we are ahead, and I think – even more so with some of the injuries that we got in the spring that we got even younger guys more experience. And this was a very physical spring, and it's going to be that way. The more opportunities, even though it looks bad right now that those guys got hurt, it gives the underbelly more opportunities to be a one, the threes more opportunities to be a two, which means they're getting more reps, and it's going to build more depth on our football team when we get to the fall. And just imagine, you've got this passing attack where you can just chuck it 50 yards down the field, you can guy, find guys across the middle like Sean Riley for a 25-yard pickup. But if they're not open, 
check down to Mo Neal for a 5-yard, 10-yard gain. There's so many options that a defense has to worry about and has to cover. When you got four or five guys, every single play that can make that, that are a threat on offense, that's tough for any defense to stop. And we talked about how the backfield could really be a weapon this season for Syracuse. Uh, you know, Syracuse is known for the backfield. They're known for the running backs, the legend of the 44, the Jim Browns of the world, the Ernie Davises of the world, and the Floyd Littles of the world. He was in attendance at the spring game with some of his backfield mates from back when he was at Syracuse. You might have heard of him. Tom Coughlin and Larry Zonka, Super Bowl winning coach, great running back with the Dolphins, was on the undefeated team that won the Super Bowl for Miami. Um, and let's just say Dino Babers was pretty excited to see uh, big Larry Zonka back in the Qs. I mean, I got a chance to talk to number 39, Larry, Larry Zonka. Are you guys kidding me? I tell you, when I was a kid, I almost got beat up because I was, when we were, when we were young, this is in the 70s, before you had phones that you could watch movies on and stuff. We were outside playing. And when we played street football, we had to declare who we were going to be. Like, you know, I'm going to be Isaac Curtis, and I'm going to be Paul Warfield. And then one time I claimed I was going to be Larry Zonka, and everybody said I couldn't be Larry Zonka. Now, I'm not going to say the reason why they said I couldn't be Larry Zonka, but I wanted to be Larry Zonka. And I almost got to a point where I almost had to fight the guy that I was going to be Larry Zonka. So I, was Larry, I got an opportunity to be Larry Zonka, like in the early 70s, out in the street, and I'm acting like I'm Larry Zonka. And, and after that, all the other kids wanted to know who Larry Zonka was because they didn't know who Larry Zonka was. And we started watching TV, and they started realizing why I wanted to emulate him. Yeah, no, I mean, he absolutely was, and why wouldn't he be? I mean, this is one of Syracuse's best. He was a fullback, but one of the best runners of all time. And obviously, Dino Babers likes the number 39 as much as he likes the number 44 because of Larry Zonka. But look, I mean, they're trying to establish what they did in the past with these running backs. And, of course, I mean, everybody talks about Geno Babers and his uh, high-flying air raid offense. But this running, running back group is, is something special, too. And he's been, done a very good job of first establishing his, his up-tempo offense, but then bringing in these talented running backs and finding guys who mesh with his system and I think this year could be very, very exciting for that running back position. We've talked a lot about the offense. We would be remiss if we did not mention the fact that the defense also played in this game, in case you were wondering, and they did pretty well. They had three turnovers and returned two of them for touchdowns, so two defensive touchdowns. That's not too shabby for the defense. The offense looking like it could be really, really dangerous with Tommy DeVito at the helm for Syracuse this season. There's a lot to be excited for. We'll keep you updated throughout the summer, throughout fall camp, all on orangefizz.net, but when we come back we look a little even further into the future some recruiting news coming out of Syracuse football after the spring game last week we'll have that on the other side on the score 1260 all right so before the first break we talked about the now of Syracuse football now it's time to talk about the future because not only does the spring game bring fans to the dome but it also brings new recruits to the dome guys that have been offered by Syracuse want to get a look at the program and apparently two of the guys that were there and got to look at the program and got to see wow this is fun this is the offense I could be playing in have decided to come to Syracuse both running backs both from Maryland yeah and what's interesting is you got to look at this and they're probably thinking looking at the running back position saying oh these guys really utilize their running backs and for a coach that's known for his work with quarterbacks and wide receivers, that's got to be very promising, not only for Syracuse's offense in the future, but also for Syracuse fans and Eno Babers. But I think, look, you got 
Marlo Wax Jr. and you got Sean Tucker. Two very different backs. Sean Tucker's only five foot nine, but the way he plays, he's got a, a, a nasty juke move that he just uses on any defender. He's got great vision. He's gonna have to bulk up, but he's gonna, he's a very exciting back for the future. He's the speed back of the class right now. He's the Jawar Jordan of the class right now. He's Really, there's not really a, a specific speed back on the roster right now outside of Jawar Jordan. I guess you could call, if you had gone back to last season, Mo Neal would have been the quote-unquote speed back mm-hmm. in comparison to Dante Strickland. But this is a guy that you can get out into the flat. This is a guy that you can give it to right up the gut, give it to him on some play action, maybe on an RPO, things of that nature. And you can get this guy in open field and he will make people miss. He is a fast guy. He's a track star. There was a video that he put up on his Twitter, at Sean Tucker 2020. It's also in your article about his commitment on orangefizz.net. But he just, at, at his track meet, just smokes these guys. Oh, it's incredible. At, just smokes him in the 100. I mean, it's not even close. Imagine having that on a football field. Yeah, I mean, he was going up against other track athletes. Imagine a linebacker trying to cover him. Imagine a D-tackle. You get him out in space and you got a D-tackle or a D-lineman on him. Just not happening. That's disaster. I mean, and looking at his highlights, I thought at first, oh, well, this team just pitches it to him and he just takes off. But this is a guy who is only five foot nine, but he runs through the tackles. He runs through defensive tackles. I mean, he, he runs through everybody, and they just can't stop him. And it's because of that supreme vision that he possesses that a lot of running backs just don't. But he's just, he, he's incredible, and I think... He's going to be a very exciting running back that's going to bring a new dimension to Syracuse. He's currently rated as a three-star by 24-7, the third-best running back in the state of Maryland. Also had offers from Air Force, Kent State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. So Syracuse right now the best of those five programs. Wisconsin also a pretty good offer, but it decided to instead come to Central New York. Just a couple of hours later after Sean commits on Saturday, another Maryland running back, the fifth best running back in the state of Maryland, according to 24-7 Sports, Marlo Wax Jr. commits, and this guy is very much not Sean Tucker. He's 6'2", 225, maybe 6'1". Either way, he will run you over. Power back, and he's not just a power back in terms of all he can do is go north south. No, this kid can go east west. He's got some pretty good moves in the open field. He's relatively elusive for his size, but the size is really what sticks out. You watch his film, and I wrote an article about him on orangefizz.net. You should definitely consider checking it out. A bit, a bit more of a larger scouting report on what Marlo Wax Jr. could bring to the Syracuse football team in the coming years. But the best ability he has right now, from my naked eye watching his highlight tape for the first time, he will drag you. He will go through you. He will go around you as well, but he is not shying away from contact. And that's an exciting possible pairing. They're both 2020 guys, so they'll be coming in at around the same time. You'll have some pretty good running backs still here at Syracuse when they get here. You'll have the Jawar Jordans of the world. You'll have a guy like Garrison Johnson who's coming in in this 2019 class as well. So you've got guys that they can grow behind, and I made this assertion. I want to see what you think about it, but I talked about it in my article. You remember back in the early 2000s, USC, Thunder and Lightning, Lendale White and Reggie Bush? I'm not saying that they're going to be on the same level as one of the best college football players ever in Reggie Bush and a great counterpart, a great Robin to the Batman in Lendale White, but maybe a little bit of the Thunder and Lightning coming. Could you see it at least a little bit? 
I can imagine it. I, I, I can see it in the future. I mean, because this is... It's what, in the distant future. It's, it's, it's in there. It's, you know, it's blurry right it's now. A but little it's fuzzy, a little fuzzy, but it's fuzzy, possible. But, I'm not saying you know, it's probable, but it's possible. I'm not saying it's HD, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. I think this is what Dino Babers likes to do. He likes to get this really fast back and pair him with just this bruiser. And as you mentioned in your article, Wax, he runs in a spread offense, which is really exciting because he had he, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's had experience in this, so I could see, I mean, Dino Babers tried to do that with Mo Neal and Dante Strickland. It, it, he had some success, especially last year, but I think he's just trying to continue this pairing year after year. I mean, Jarvie and Howard's kind of the same way, where he's just, just bruising running back. But, but he can still evade guys in the open field. Exactly, and that's what, you, what, that's what you really love to see in these big backs who are still really, really fast. But what's also very exciting is Dino Babers is starting to encroach into Maryland. And we know he he sends out a ton of offers. Yeah, there's another <laughs> article on on Orange Fizz called "Unique or Syracuse Football's Unique Recruiting Strategy" because this man is about to offer every single yeah. kid he ever thinks could possibly even think of maybe playing for Syracuse. They offered the second most powerful, the sec, had the second most offers among Power Five schools last year. They've got a ton this year. But yeah, they're they're offering everybody, but it's proving that they can go into states they're not used to and pull guys out. That's yeah, true. I mean, they've regularly gone into states like Mississippi, Texas. I mean, going down south to Florida, but they haven't had a ton of success in the Northeast and in the Mid Atlantic. But look, he's starting to do it. I mean, he didn't have any recruits in Maryland in the past two classes. He's already got two, so it's really exciting to see these guys come to Syracuse, come up for the spring game, and say, hey. This is where I want to be. I'm a running back, and I can envision myself in this program and being successful. And those two guys, Marlo Wax Jr. and Sean Tucker, the second and third recruits in the class of 2020 for Syracuse football. There was also defensive end Kevin Lemieux that committed a couple of weeks ago and became the first 2020 commit for Syracuse. He's a defensive end out of Massachusetts. As we always say, the future is bright for Syracuse football. As long as Dino Babers is in charge, he has reignited this football program and gotten them back on the right track. But that's what the basketball, or excuse me, that's what the football program is looking like in the near future. I got a little ahead of myself. When we come back from this break, we'll talk a little bit of Syracuse basketball recruiting, a couple of intriguing 2020 prospects, and one 2019 guy just keeps on reeling in the accolades. No surprise here. You probably already know who it is, but we'll let you know for sure when we come back. Back here on the score, 1260, J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz and Thomas. Enough of that football stuff. Enough of Dino Babers for now. Can't wait for the season. It's going to be a fun one. I think there is a lot of opportunity for growth and a lot of opportunity to put together another great season. But let's talk a little bit of Syracuse basketball because probably the biggest Syracuse-related news of the week between football and basketball was not the football spring game. It was Tyus Battle's announcement via Instagram earlier in the week that he was going to sign with Rock Nation Sports as his representation for the upcoming NBA draft. If that sounds familiar to you, Rock Nation, it may or may not be because of who owns it, Jay-Z, at the top of Rock Nation, although he's not really an agent. But he'll just say, oh, yeah, one of my guys, you know, that's yeah. oh, Tyus Battle. He's a Jay-Z guy now. So very interesting choice from him uh, in terms of deciding who's going to represent him for the at least the beginning part of his professional career. And we all knew this was coming. I mean, you knew he was going pro. It was just a matter of time before he decide, decided on an agency. But, I mean, might as well go Rock Nation. They've got a big superstar, Kevin Durant. He's at Rock Nation. But besides that, they don't have a lot of NBA talent. 
So there's a good, it's a little good niche for uh, Tyus Battle to kind of make his name. And you're getting a lot of guys like Tyus Battle signing right now with Rock Nation. P.J. Washington, who is a fringe lottery pick this year, he'll certainly be a first-round pick out of Kentucky. He is now with Rock Nation. Zylan Cheatham from the Arizona State Sun Devils, who's another up-and-comer. So they're kind of building their basketball repertoire right now. But outside of KD, their best represent, their best known guy that they represent right now, probably either Danny Green, a veteran with the Toronto Raptors, or Josh Hart uh, from the Los Angeles Lakers, who has made himself a pretty nice living, and Jeremy Lin as well. So there are a lot of guys, you know, Tyus is not likely not going to be a first-round pick. I'm pretty comfortable saying he's not going to be a first-round pick, actually. A lot of places don't even have him going in the second round. So this is where an agent becomes a little bit more important because now he's got to get shopped to G League teams. He's got to get shopped to all kinds of teams where he can somehow make some money out of this talent that he has. And I think Rock Nation is an up-and-coming kind of, at least for basketball, agency that could help him in the future. Yeah, I I mean, it's definitely, it started out just a few years ago, but it's really made a huge rise. And once you have a guy like Kevin Durant hop on board a couple years ago, that really... I don't know, gives you some some momentum, gives you some respect in the industry. Because when you have one of the biggest superstars in the game, that's like, yeah, I trust you with my money for a guy who loves to hop around from team to team. Whoa, <laughs> firing some shots? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll see what he does a this A disgruntled summer. Lakers fan firing <laughs> shots at jumping around from team to team. I, I got a lot to hate on these days, but I, I don't know. Like, you know, it, it, it ties battle. I, I, I like this decision. I think Rock Nation's probably a good fit. Obviously, it's... Uh, a high-profile agency, probably the be- the most well-known agency right now. Uh, and Ty's about I, you have a lot of good guys in that program and can probably help you find, right now, he's looking at a G League team probably. It's going to be interesting to see where Tyus ends up. I do have some hope and some faith in Tyus and his game that he could be a guy that works through the G League and makes his way, maybe improves his jump shot a little bit. Um, I just don't know if I see an NBA draft selection coming his way necessarily, but we will keep you updated with everything that happens with Tyus and his pro career on Twitter at OrangeFizz and on OrangeFizz.net. You can check us out all the time, 24-7, to figure out just where Tyus is if you ever need some updates on him. But one guy that is blowing up right now and has been blowing up for the better part of a year now is the third-rated recruit in Syracuse's recruiting class, but has somehow become the most famous of the 2019 recruits for Syracuse, and that is Joe Girard III, the Glens Falls native, the local kid, the kid that scores 50-plus, 4,000 career points in high school, scored 69 in a game, just won a state championship, and the accolades just keep on rolling in. He was named the New York State Class B Player of the Year. That goes on top of the fact that he was named Mr. Basketball in the state of New York just over a month ago. There's a lot of hype around this kid. it's hard for me to see him living up to the hype right away just because of where he's coming from as a small-town public school guy. Yeah, I mean, and obviously there's a lot of hype when you pa- when you pass Lance Stevenson as the all-time scoring leader in New York State history. And if I'm dropping 50 points a game, I want some of that hype as well. But, you know, I, he's probably going to come off the bench. He's a great shooter. If he starts, I will be floored. Yeah, it, it will be... Floored. It, it would be very, very surprising. I'd be shocked if he starts, but... I think he'll be a solid piece off the bench. I think he'll probably play next year because Jim Beheim, he he usually has a small bench, but last year it got a little bit bigger, 
and he's got a lot. He's got a lot of guys coming. He's got five recruits, and I feel I feel like you know maybe John Bull Ajak he might redshirt. He still has only been playing the game a couple of years, but you could always use more shooting, and that's what Joe Girard provides. And if you pair him on the floor, maybe take him and Buddy Bayham at the same time. I don't know if they'd work together or not, but maybe have one on, one off. You're always going to have a shooter there. And, you know, I, we don't know how much he'll play. I'd be shocked if he plays more than 10 minutes a game. But those 10 minutes, he knocks down a few threes. That'd be kind of nice. He could be a contributor. That's all they need him to be as a freshman. Yeah. You think back to, you know, some of the great three-point specialists in Syracuse history. Yeah, GMAC was super important in his freshman season when he when they went on the national championship run, but he wasn't some sort of superstar. It was Mello's team. Eric Devendorf wasn't super special as a freshman. This is a guy that can develop into something special. I think he's going to fill the role that we thought Buddy would last year a little bit more than Buddy did just because Buddy had to play a little bit more with some injuries. He had to get his feet thrown in the fire a little bit earlier than we expected. But there's a lot of three-point shooting on this team next season because you think about Buddy, he's got a great stroke. Joe Girard obviously does. And then Bryson Gadeen, the top-rated guy in this class, who I think is not getting enough credit for how good he is. He is the top-rated recruit in the class, and people are like, oh yeah, Joe Girard III and Quincy Garrier, they're going to be the stars of this class. Why are we giving up on Bryson Gadeen yeah, so Bryson fast? Gideen? People don't even know who he is. He's a top 100 guy. Give him some credit. He is really talented. He's a great shooter, and he's got bounce for days. He participated in the slam dunk contest down at the Final Four when Joe Girard uh, competed in the three-point contest. So this 2019 class is looking like it could be something special and at least provide some building blocks for Jim Beheim to work with without Tyus Battle, possibly without O'Shea Brissett, and then without Pascal Chuku and Frank Howard. But moving on to the class of 2020, a couple of intriguing prospects for Syracuse to look at as the 2020 class starts to at least think about where they're going to go. And right now there's not too much in the way of 2020 prospects for Syracuse in terms of who they've already gotten, but there are some guys that the experts at 24-7 think they might be in the running for, and the most intriguing one is Scotty Barnes, the number four recruit in the 2020 class, Granted, there are only two crystal ball predictions, but 50-50 with Oregon, Syracuse has a chance to pick this kid up. He would be a mellow-type pickup in terms of the impact he can make immediately for Syracuse. And I think he'd be Syracuse's best recruit since Mello. He's just absolutely fantastic. He's from Fort Lauderdale. The two schools that have a crystal ball for him are Syracuse, like you mentioned, and Oregon. So I know these guys, might he's a one-and-done type talent. But still, going from Florida to Oregon, that's asking a lot for an 18-year-old. So, could help Syracuse out a little bit. It's a little bit closer to home. Still a long ways, but not across the country. But yeah, like you said, this guy is just... If you get a top five recruit in the country, that you're never going to go wrong. You're doing something right if that happens. Another guy to look out for in the 2020 class, as that 2020 class kind of progresses, this is a newer, more recent offer for Syracuse. They offered him back in the middle of March. It's Dane Danger, a six foot eight center power forward combo. Big guy, bulky guy, can bang bodies down low. 6'8", 240 from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's a four-star guy, the number 51 recruit in the 2020 class. So Syracuse kind of getting in on the party late, but there's no predictions yet on the crystal ball. So if Syracuse can make a late push, that'd be a great add to the 2020 class. And if your name is Dane Danger, I don't care. If his name is Danger. <laughs> his name. If your name is Danger, I don't care 
if you're number 51 in the class like he is or if you're an unrated recruit. I absolutely want you on my team. But besides that, this for guy... For name value alone. Just for the name value. But this is a guy who could also really, really, really help Syracuse. One thing that they've lacked recently, more than anything, is a big man with some bulk. And that's exactly what Dane Danger is. He's 245 pounds. Pascal Chukwu was about 220. So for a guy who's providing some muscle, can get down low and pound the glass and muscle around opponents, that's exactly what Syracuse has been lacking for a while now. And that's exactly what a guy like this would provide. One last guy to look out for in the 2020 class before we wrap this segment up, Thomas. It's Andre Jackson, a in-state guy, a guy that's only about two hours away or so from Syracuse right now. Albany, New York, six foot six, 160 pounds, a shooting guard, the number 40 recruit in that 2020 class. And right now, six crystal ball predictions for Andre Jackson. That's a pretty high number in terms of the number of predictions. 100% Syracuse. They got on and in on this kid early, and they could entice him in terms of being a top 50 guy coming into the class. And, I mean, look, they're, they're clearly the front runner here, and, like, he is a top 50 recruit, like he said. That's just a great guy. I mean, he'd kinda, he's the same size as Tyus Battle. He'd be the Tyus Battle of the team, really. I mean, that's what you would expect him to be a few years down the road. So getting a guy like Andre Jackson would just be – an incredible boost for the team, and that's just a, a guy that at this point, you've been on him for so long, you got to go full steam ahead on him. Five guys in the 2019 class, nobody yet in 2020, but those are three that we should at least keep our eye on. Andre Jackson, Scotty Barnes, and Dane Danger in the 2020 class. Keep your eye on it. We'll keep you updated whenever news or anything becomes available about where those guys might be headed Syracuse basketball building some momentum in the recruiting cycles of late. We'll see if they can continue to do that. All right, time to take one last quick break. When we come back, it's time to hear from you. It's time to hear from Fizz Nation. It's everybody's favorite segment, Fizz Feedback. Putting a bow on things here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Just about six minutes left with you, J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz, and it is that time. It's time to have your voices heard. It's time for Fizz Feedback on the score 1260. We put out a couple of polls for you guys to respond to. A little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, just like this show has been. A nice little amalgamation, a nice little mixture of everything. Thomas, what is our first poll? So our first Fizz feedback is, where do you think Syracuse men's basketball finishes in the ACC standings next season? And overwhelmingly, 57% said they're going to finish fourth or fifth, which I think that's probably where I would say as well. That's generally the area where they're usually at. And look, teams like Virginia Tech, they lost Buzz Williams. UNC loses all five of their starters. So a couple of teams are going to slip down. Syracuse could uh, move up a little bit. I think that this team has promise, more promise than we're maybe giving them credit for because we're still upset that the promise they had at the beginning of last year didn't follow through to this year. There's room for improvement for Syracuse, but there's also a lot of youth. You don't have that go-to guy that you know can score and just take over a game like Tyus Battle. There are a couple of guys that have the potential to be that guy, but nobody has proven that. Tyus coming into this season, we already knew his career high came as a sophomore at Florida State, 37 points. We knew the guy could take over a game. Right now, we don't know if anybody can take over the game. Like I said, I think there's potential for a takeover kind of guy, maybe an Elijah Hughes, maybe an O'Shea Brissett. We'll see. 
but fourth or fifth sounds about right to me, maybe a little bit lower. But like I said, there's some room for improvement, some room for growth, and some ability to make a jump. And that's that was the second choice among the voters. 24% said 6-7. to seven. And I might be optimistic here, but I think this team might mesh better this coming year. Last year, there was a lot of guys who didn't have a lot of three-point shooting ability, but they needed to take a lot of shots. They were high-volume scorers. This year, you the next in the coming year, Elijah Hughes is the only guy that kind of fits that mold, and even he is a, a pretty efficient shooter. But moving on to question number two, it was how good will Tommy DeVito be next season? And Fizz Nation kind of surprised me with this one a little bit. Oh boy, forty-five percent of voters said they expect Tommy DeVito to have over two thousand seven hundred fifty yards and twenty-six or more touchdowns. That's top three quarterback in the ACC numbers right there. I think he has the potential to do that. Maybe not in his first season. Yeah. I think that might be, you know, he's only going to be a redshirt sophomore next season. That's something that gets lost. This is season one of three of him as the likely starter for Syracuse. And, and you look at a guy like Kyler Murray, he had 4,300 yards as the Heisman winner last year, and he had a whole bunch of touchdowns with 42 TDs. So I I thought maybe people are getting a little ahead of themselves in terms of Tommy DeVito is a Heisman-level quarterback, but 2750's not bad. What did Eric do last year? Eric Dungy had 2,868 yards, so he reached the yards threshold, but he only had 18 touchdowns. How many rushing touchdowns, though? Uh, not that Tommy DeVito is going to have a whole bunch of rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I'll say I, I don't see it on ESPN, but I, I it's just like... I don't know. I mean, Tommy DeVito is, he's definitely, you know, your dual threat quarterback. Um, he had, oh wow, he had 15 rushing touchdowns. Right. So he had 33 total touchdowns. Yeah. So he was well above that marker. I'm just not sure. We're forgetting this is year one. This is year one baseline, Tommy DeVito. Eric Dungy was not putting up those ridiculous numbers in his first full year of starting as a sophomore a couple of years ago. He's putting up good numbers, but not these massive gaudy numbers that he put up at the end of his career. I'm more inclined to take a step down, maybe even two steps down, somewhere in the 2250 to 2750 yards, 21 to 25 touchdowns range, maybe even a little bit lower in terms of what he does. But I think he's got the weapons around him to have a good season. I'm just not sure if it's going to be quite as good as Fizz Nation thinks. I have a lot of faith in Tommy. I'm excited to see what he does, but let's pump the brakes ever so slightly. Yeah, I mean, that's asking a lot of your first-time starter. I I agree with you, J.D. I think I I could see him going 2250 to 2750, 21 to 25, but I could see him going a little bit, maybe reaching one of those, but not the other. Right. Um, But, look, I think, you know, besides this year, he could have two more years in the program. So, it's it's good to be excited, but maybe pump the brakes a little bit, as you were saying, for this Tommy, season. prove me wrong. That'd be great if he proved me wrong and he gets to the threshold that Fizz Nation thinks he'll get to. If if we give him any momentum, that's fine by me. Awesome. Um, Push but, him to the moon. Uh, and our next question, answered by Fizz Nation, is who will lead SU in scoring next year? 
in it with 67% overwhelmingly correct from uh, Fizz Nation. Here. Elijah Hughes takes the cake here. It's the right answer, uh, in my opinion. I don't see O'Shea being a takeover guy, and I don't see Buddy Beheim being a takeover scoring bunches kind of guy. He might have a couple of games where he hits, you know, 17 or 18, but he's not going to average that. I think Elijah will average that. The bigger problem I've got with the answers to this question, though, Thomas, is the other category, 7%. And two people say, I got the Q. That's coming from Mike Lipinski. And from Q's Mafia, he tags Quincy Guerriere. The kid is a freshman. He is the number two recruit in the class. Again, no love for Bryson Goodine. None. None. And we haven't even seen him play. Let's let him play first, and then we can judge his talents. But both Syracuse football and Syracuse basketball, the recruiting classes are fun. There could be a couple of fun mixes and twists and turns in the season and we'll have it all for you on orangefizz.net that'll just about do us do it for us here on fizz radio for thomas schultz i'm jd rachi saying so long enjoy the off season and just take a load off fizz nation